Well, this morning, open up your Bibles to Isaiah 37. Um, we are going to cover verses 14 through 38. Uh, I missed uh, some of these verses last week, but in God's sovereignty, He knew that it would go better with this week's message. So um, I'm thankful for that. So the title of this morning's message is Praying Like Hezekiah. Well, what does that mean? Well, we'll see. We're going to learn some lessons on prayer. I wish there was like a, uh, maybe you do too, like, hey, five steps to get your prayer answered. Wouldn't that be great? You know, if I do these five things, every time I pray, God's going to answer my prayer in the way I want him to answer it. Uh, I'm sure we would all like that. You don't have to raise your hand and say, yeah, I would like that. But guess what? There, I'm going to argue that that's not the case. You know, I mean, it, just think of some of the greatest and most holy people that have prayed and not had their prayers answered. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself prayed in the garden to Lord to take this cup from me, to not go to the cross. But nevertheless, he said, not my will, but your will. And God did not take that from his son. Or the Apostle Paul, one of the most holy men that we could probably ever think of, had uh, something that he called a messenger of Satan that was attacking his body. We don't know what it was. He called it a thorn in his side. He prayed repeatedly for the Lord to remove that, but the Lord said, what? My grace is sufficient for you. So all that to say that as we go over this, know that there's no uh, prescribed way to pray to get your prayers answered, but we're going to look at the prayer of Hezekiah and learn some things about prayer, you know, so that we are on the right track. So with that said, let's uh, go to our text this morning in Hezekiah, uh, Isaiah 37, starting in verse 14, and we are going to find some lessons from Hezekiah's prayer that we can apply in our own prayer life. Um, and so the first one is this, and it's going to be found in verses 14 through 15, is that we need, first of all, to take our requests to the Lord. That might seem like a no-brainer, right? If I'm going to pray, I need to pray to somebody, to the Lord God. But as we know throughout the book of Isaiah, Israel and Hezekiah have not always gone to the Lord with their problems, have they? Over and over again, Hezekiah and Judah in general, have been taking their problems to who? To false gods. They've been taking them to foreign nations, asking for help, and even thinking that they can do it on their own. And again, that's not unlike each and every one of us who maybe don't always take our prayer requests to the Lord. We may be taking them somewhere else. We may just be confiding in other people and not going to the Lord. We may be take, trying to take on the problems all our own, by ourselves, and it's not working out. So that's lesson number one. But let's read the text so you can see what I'm talking about here this morning. In verse 14, so remember, just by way of a reminder, last week uh, the Assyrian king, Shennacherib had sent his emissaries or his representatives to strike fear into all of Judah. And they were doing a pretty good job scaring them about, hey, you guys cannot revolt against Assyria. Assyria is just going to come and destroy you like they've done everybody else. So you need to make a peace with the king. And Hezekiah is not going to do that, right? He went to Isaiah. He had Isaiah pray for them. They prayed together. And now Hezekiah himself is going to the Lord. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 14. 
in Isaiah 37, says this, Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of his messengers and read it. So this was the letter that uh, Rabshakeh had given to uh, Judah. And now they're giving it and passing it along to Hezekiah. He read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying... So this is where we get our first, our, our first point of application for us. As I mentioned, that we need to take our request to the Lord. Again, Hezekiah has finally resolved himself to come to the Lord. He's taking his problem, we see, and he's laying it out before the Lord. He goes to the house of the Lord. He spreads the letter out before the Lord, and he prays to the Lord. We need to do that. Think of things that you've been praying for, that you want to pray for. Have you really spread it out before the Lord and laid it out before the Lord? Or are you just kind of thinking about it? Or my wife is great at saying, have you prayed about that? I'll say, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. And sometimes it just stops there for me. And my wife Mindy's always saying, did you pray about it yet? And I'm like, well, I'm thinking about it. You know, no, that's not the same as praying. You need to lay it out before the Lord. And again, that's part of our problem in, our, in the Christian walk. Each and every one of us is we don't take it to the Lord. In James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he talks about this to the church there. He says, what is this source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source, source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel with your problems. You do not have because you do not ask. And that's some of our problem, right? You might, that might resonate with you is we don't have because we simply don't ask the Lord for it. Whatever it is, you might think it's too small, it's too big, or the Lord can't do it. And so you maybe do exactly what James is saying. Hey, so you guys are fighting, you're conflicting because you want things that you cannot have. Why don't you just ask the Lord and maybe he will give it to you. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So the number one thing that each and every one of us need to do when we have something that we're, we're thinking on, that we want, we want to pray about, is we need to take it to the Lord. And spread it out before him like Hezekiah did. He laid it all out on the table to the Lord. Let's look at verse uh, 16 now, going on. Let's see exactly what Hezekiah prayed. And we're going to read through to verse 20, then come back and look at a, a few of these verses. So this is Hezekiah's prayer. O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and listen to all the words of Shennacherib, who sent them to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devoured all the countries and their lands, and have cast their gods into fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. So here we have Hezekiah. Just, this was his prayer, laying it out all before the Lord. And this brings us to our second point of application in our prayer and lessons that we can learn from Hezekiah, is we need to be honest before the Lord. 
You need to be honest before the Lord. When you're actually going to pray to God, now think about this, God already knows what you're going to ask before you ask. He knows your heart. So sometimes prayer is really for us to reveal ourselves for our own purpose. Like, what am I really praying for? What am I really praying about? But to be honest before the Lord, whatever the issue is, whatever the prayer request is, again, here Hezekiah has finally admitted that he nor the foreign alliances that he has tried to forge can help him from the Assyrians. He's saying, in essence, as we know what's been going on at this point, is that, Lord, the Egyptians can't help me now. I can't do it. All the foreign gods that we've been worshiping over these years and my father had been worshiping Ahaz is not going to help us. He's being honest. He's like, Lord, I need you. You're the God of all creation, he's been saying in this real formal prayer. He can't do it on his own. And so he's bowing before the Lord. He points out in verses 17 through 19 their predicament. He's like, Lord, the Assyrians have destroyed everybody that they've come against. And he's going to do the same to us, Lord, but you've got to help us. He says in verse 20, Lord, you can defeat them. He says, deliver us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. He's honest before the Lord. And so the lesson that you and I need to learn is, are we honest? Or ask yourself, are we honest when we come to pray for the Lord, to the Lord? Do you really mean what you're praying are you praying out of habit? This is what I'm supposed to do. You know, even when you pray for your meal at, before you eat, if you pray, do you really mean what you're saying? Or is it just, you know, like rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen, that kind of thing? Or are you really thankful for what you have? Whatever it is you may, what you pray, you need to be honest before the Lord and do it with all your heart. I'm reminded in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, when the Lord was promising Solomon as he was dedicating the temple, he said this about his people praying to him. He says, My people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will hear their, heal their land. This was the promise that God was given to Solomon. He's like, Solomon, as you go about your business in life and as you rule the kingdom, if my people fall away and they don't do it this way, I'm not going to hear them. I'm not going to heal their land. But my people need to be humble. They need to be honest. They need to pray and seek my face. They need to turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. We need to be honest about what we're praying for and about and be open with the Lord. Again, so the two things that we see so far in Hezekiah's prayer that I hope that you can learn from it and myself as well is that we need to take our requests to the Lord, number one. Secondly, we need to be honest before the Lord about what we want. That's okay. You should be honest. He already knows. So many times when you read the Psalms, David was honest. He's like, Lord, look at what's going on. The heathen are prospering and I'm suffering. He's honest with the Lord. There's nothing wrong with being honest with the Lord. As a matter of fact, we need to be that way. The Lord already knows what we need before we ask. But we need to be honest to ourselves as well. The second thing, or the third thing that we could learn from Hezekiah's prayer is that we need to acknowledge the sovereignty of the Lord. 
Meaning the Lord is king over all creation. We sing about that. He's the one that has the power to do all things. Look at the titles that Hezekiah gives to the Lord in his prayer. In verse, um, it was in verse 16. He says, the Lord host of Israel, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim. You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Hezekiah recognizes the sovereignty of God. He's not only Hezekiah's God, or the God of Judah, or the God of all creation, but the God of the universe. He's not like these other gods that he talks about in a few verses that were destroyed by the Assyrians. He is the God. He says, you alone are God. The God of the Hebrews is not like one of many gods, and he's like the greatest God. No, he's the only God, and Hezekiah recognizes this. He recognizes that when he comes before the Lord, he needs to acknowledge who he's speaking to. Jesus himself taught his disciples this. Remember when the, he taught the disciples how to pray? And those of you that maybe come from a very formal religious upbringing, a denominational one, know this. You know, they call it the Lord's Prayer. What at the very beginning Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Those are titles. That's recognition of who you're praying to. A holy God who is removed from all the earth. He's not a common person like us. He's distinct. He's different. He says, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is recognition of the sovereignty of God. And although we might say, well, hey, God's my best friend. God's, you know, my co-pilot or whatever people might say about God, the big guy in the sky. No, he's a lot more than those things. He's the creator of all the universe. He's God over everything. We need to recognize that He is sovereign, and this is who we are praying to, the sovereign God. And so Hezekiah recognizes that. So again, he takes his request to the Lord. He's honest before the Lord, and he acknowledges the sovereignty of the Lord. And look at verse 20 now. This is where we'll get our next point of application of what we can learn from Hezekiah's prayer is that Hezekiah prays for the Lord to be glorified. He wants to be saved, but look at his prayer. Look at what he says in verse 20. He says, Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may what? May know that you alone, Lord, are God. He's like, save us, Lord, but in saving us, let all of the world know that you're God. Remember, Shennacherib was criticizing Hezekiah. And their guy said, Go, don't let Hezekiah deceive you guys. God, that God is not going to save you. So Hezekiah was blaspheming the Lord God. saying he, you know, Not Hezekiah, I'm sorry. Shennacherib was blaspheming the Lord God. Saying he's not going to save you guys. He's nobody. Don't trust him. Trust me. And Hezekiah is saying, no, Lord, deliver us so that everyone will know that you're God. Make this salvation so great that your name will be magnified in glorified. And so that's an example for us, ourselves, is that when we pray, we should pray that for God's glory, or that thing that you're praying for, is it for the glory of God? And maybe you're like, well, I don't know how that can even be for the glory of God. 
Well, everything that we do and ask for should be for the glory of God. If there is one key, and this is maybe just my opinion, it could be open for debate, but not right now. You can ask me afterwards. <laughs> if there was a key for having your prayers to be answered, it would be this, praying for God to be glorified. That might be the closest we could get to like a way to get our prayers answered, like God be glorified in this. That means the thing that you're praying for, can God really be glorified in it? You're like, say you need a new car. Well, God, you'll really be glorified if I get a brand new BMW. That's what you would be glorified. Would you be? If you could figure out how to glorify God in that, then go ahead and pray for it. Maybe God just wants you to have a 19, I don't even know if these exist anymore, like 70 Pinto. Were the Pintos around in the 70s? I don't know. I don't know. But the key to having your prayers answered is to have God be glorified in what you're asking for. James tells us, again, in chapter 4, verse 3, he tells us that a lot of times we don't receive the requests of the prayers. Our prayers aren't answered because the motive that we ask for them is for our own pleasure, right? So a BMW would be for my own pleasure, not for, you know, God's glory, at least for me. So James says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. What you're praying for, is it for God's glory or for your own glory? Jesus himself said in John 14, verses 13 through 14, about prayers that are answered, that the prayers that are answered are the ones that glorify the Father. He says this, whatever you ask in my name, Right? You're asking for the Lord's approval on this. That I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You notice Protestants, which a church we are, we always say, in Jesus' name, after the prayer. I think sometimes we could say that without thinking what we're saying. What we're wanting to say is that, Lord, we want your will to be done in this prayer. We want your blessing to be done in this prayer. That's why we say, in Jesus' name, or because of what Jesus has done, we can even pray to the Father. It's not that we something we tag at the end because, hey, this is going to make the prayer extra special, or we're going to get extra favor because we say, in Jesus' name. What if I didn't say, in Jesus' name, is my prayer going to be answered? That's not what it is. You're basically saying, we want God to be glorified in this prayer, this thing that we're praying for, this thing that we're asking for. So that's what we can learn through Hezekiah as well, as he's praying for God to be glorified in this. Yes, Hezekiah wants to be delivered, but in his deliverance, he wants the world to know that God did it. And he wants God to be glorified. So let's move on to verse 21, because now we're going to look at the results of these prayers. What was the result of Hezekiah's prayer? This is what it says. Then Isaiah, the son of Amaz, sent word to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed, um, because you have prayed to me about Shennacherib, king of Israel. That's really, that's really key, because you prayed to who? To me. Again, remember I mentioned Hezekiah has been praying or asking for help from everybody else except for God. And now that he has finally come to God, God is going to answer his prayer. And look at what he says. This is the word that the Lord has spoken against him, speaking Shnechereb. Let's read down to verse 23 from this verse. She has despised you and mocked you, the virgin daughter of Zion. 
She has shaken her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem, whom you whom have you reproached and blasphemed? And against whom have you raised your voice? The haughty lifted up your eyes against the Holy One of Israel. God is saying, Shnechareb didn't raise his voice against you, Hezekiah. He raised it against me. He's blaspheming me. It's personal. So the result of such prayers of praying to God is that the Lord will see and hear his people. The Lord's like, remember Hezekiah was saying, Lord, do you see what's going on? Do you hear? He tells the Lord, open your ears and open your eyes to see what's going on. The Lord says, oh, I see it, Hezekiah. I see it now. I saw it before, but I really see it now because you prayed to me finally. You finally came to me about it. How many times did us as parents, as we see what's going on with our children, we know what's going on, but we want them to come and talk to us about it and ask us about it. We know what's going on. God's saying to him, I know what's been going on, Hezekiah, but you never came to me and asked for help. You were doing everything else but coming to me. As a matter of fact, in the very first chapter of Isaiah, we covered this a long time ago, and I want to read chapter 1, verse 15 to you. After Isaiah was, was just going off on Israel, saying, you guys are God doesn't want to hear your worship anymore. God doesn't want to hear from you. Take it away from him. He says this in verse 15. He says, So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. God sees and hears what was going on with Hezekiah and Judah, but, but they weren't coming to him. They weren't praying to him. They were just doing religious things. He's like, take it away. It's not even what I want from you guys. You could pray all day long and I'm not going to hear you because your hands are filled with blood. They, they had not turned from their wicked ways and they had not come to the Lord, which is what we see Hezekiah doing now as he's admitted, I need the Lord's help. I can't do it on my own and nobody's going to help me. So the Lord will see and hear his people. And he'll even do it more so when you finally come to him the way you're supposed to. And then the Lord will respond to that prayer, but it will be according to his plan. Look at verses 24 through 29. It says this. He says, through your servants you have reproached the Lord. And now right here in this text, he's talking to Shennacherib through the prophet. But he's talking to Hezekiah as if he's talking to Shennacherib. He says, Though uh, through your servants you have reproached the Lord, and you have said, With many chariots I will come up to the heights of the mountains, to the remotest parts of Lebanon, and I will cut down its tall cedars and its choice uh, cypresses. And I will go to its highest peak, its thickest forest. I dug wells and drank waters. And with the sole of my feet I dried up all the rivers of Egypt. Have you not heard? So... What he was doing right here is like he was speaking for Shennacherib and Shennacherib's pride. He was saying, I did all these things. I've cut down Lebanon and, and the cypresses and have dried up, you know, the, the waters in Egypt. And then the Lord's saying, no, this is my plan the whole time. Look at verse 26. Have you not heard? Long ago I did it. From ancient times I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you should turn fortified cities into ruinous heaps. Therefore the inhabitants were short of strength. They were dismayed and put to shame. They were on the vegetation of the field as the green herb, 
or herb, and as grass on the housetops is scorched before it is grown up. He's saying, you know what, Hezekiah, or uh, Shennacherib, I'm the one that called you from the north to attack Israel. Remember Isaiah prophesied this. Because he wanted to get Israel to return to him. So it's not that uh, Shennacherib is some great king. No, God allowed him to do this. God is the one who is sovereign. This is going according to God's plan. And then verse 18 says, But I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. Because of your raging against me and because of your arrogance has come up to my ears, therefore I will put a hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips and I will turn you back by the way in which you have came. This all is going according to God's plan. The Lord's responding to the prayer, but it's because this is what he's planned to do. When we get ourselves aligned with the Lord, it's not that we change the Lord's mind. No, the Lord had a plan, and now we have submitted ourselves to it, and so it's going as it was supposed to go. And in this, the Lord will glorify himself. Right? He's going to strengthen the faith of his people now. Look at verse 30. As he protects his people, he's going to strengthen their faith. He says, then this shall be a sign for you. This is speaking to Hezekiah. You will eat this year what grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from the same, and in the third year sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. He's reminding them that, hey, in the future, after I turn Shennacherib away, remember that you are here three years later because of what I have done, because I've decided to protect you. I've answered your prayers. Don't you forget it, um, Hezekiah. And he goes on. Look at verse 31. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. If you remember in last chapter, the promise from the king of Assyria is that, hey, I'm going to let you stay in your land, and then I'm going to take you to a better land because he's going to destroy Jerusalem. But guess what? He's not. God saying, no, that's not going to happen. You guys have stayed faithful to me, and I'm going to bless you in your land because you stayed faithful with me. Verse 33, therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come to the city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. Against it, By the way that he came, by the same way he will return, and he will not come to this city, declares the Lord. God promises to protect his people. And God does it for his honor. Look at verse 35. He says, for I will defend this city to save for my own sake. Again, God is interested in glorifying himself through his people. And that's why he says, I will defend the city to save it for my sake and for my servant David's sake. You remember the promise that God gave to David a long time ago that nobody, that this throne will never be empty from your family. You will always have somebody ruling and reigning. And so God will glorify himself by strengthening the people's faith so that they remember what God has done. He will save his people according to his promise, and he will save his people to bring honor to himself. That's the result of, the, of praying like this, is that God will answer the prayers of his people. He will see it. He will hear it. He will respond according to his plan, and he will glorify himself. And it's always, the question is always, well, how does he do this? How is God going to get me out of my problem? What's God going to do? And the reality is, you know what, that sometimes we may not fully understand what God is doing. We don't see what's going on behind the scenes. 
But we have this promise that we could count on God fulfilling his promises. That's what he means by verse 35. Is I'm going to save my people, right? For my name's sake and for my servant David's sake. God is going to keep his promises. Again, we might not understand how he's going to do it or why he did it in such a way, but God is faithful. Look at verses 36 to 38. Because here's the description of how God saves Hezekiah. It says, Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men arose early in the morning, behold, all these were dead. So Shennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived in Nineveh. And it came about as he was worshiping in the house of, of Nishrach, his god, that Adramamelech and Sherezer, his son, killed him with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Ararat, and Ashardan, his son, became king in his place. You see the contrast? Hezekiah goes to his god and gets saved. Shennacherib goes to his god and gets killed by his very own sons. Just a, a quick um, side note about this. If you remember, uh, last week I had mentioned that they don't really know why, why Shennacherib didn't attack Jerusalem. Here Isaiah gives us a little detail about what happened. Even historians themselves don't really know what happened. If you remember, uh, Pastor John taught a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, what um, Shennacherib had said about Hezekiah. He says, I have him trapped like a, a bird in a cage. And that was the last thing that he said about um, Hezekiah and Judah. Because Assyria never came back to attack. And obviously the Assyrians in their chronicles, they're not going to report about their losses. They're going to talk about their victories. What many uh, historians believe is that the armies of Assyria were actually down in Egypt about ready to fight the Egyptians. And so Shennacherib had sent his uh, emissaries or delegates to go speak to Hezekiah to scare him. In the meantime, what happened is that all the armies of the Assyrians die, which is recorded right here, down closer to Egypt. Herodotus, a, a Greek historian, says that the camp of the Assyrians was overrun by mice. So maybe something of like the bubonic plague is what happened. Um, there's, there's books, I don't know if those of you that like history, there's some books, they're like counterfactual events, of, they're called What If? Like what if this happened in history, and what if that would have happened by modern historians? And they think that the Assyrians died of cholera. Nobody really knows what happened to the Assyrians. Why didn't they? It wasn't like the Assyrians to just let somebody off the hook. They would have went back and attacked them. Well, as Isaiah gives us what happened, that it was the Lord somehow, whether it was through mice or cholera, nobody knows. And the Assyrians didn't report it. But we know this, that God kept his promise and God saved his people. And so the results of what we can learn from, again, from Hezekiah's prayers is that the Lord will see and hear his people when they pray to him, right? And the, and the Lord will respond according to his plan. And the Lord will glorify himself in prayer. I mentioned this at the very beginning. A few things I want us to know is that, you know what? Prayer is not answered, right, because we're so righteous. Remember I mentioned Jesus and Paul. Those prayers weren't answered according to what they had prayed. 
right? It's not that, hey, if I'm, if I'm really good, and if I do all that I'm supposed to do as a good Christian, that God's going to answer my prayer. Because we can look to Jesus and the Apostle Paul who didn't get their prayers answered in the way that they had requested. They were answered in the, what glorified God the most. And that's the same thing for each and every one of us, is that our prayers will be answered, but it will be according to God's will and not ours. And that's something I know that you're like, well, that doesn't really help me, but we have to trust God. Is God sovereign? Is God the Lord of all creation, heaven and earth, and is His plan going to go forward and bring glory to Him that we need to trust Him in that? And again, answered prayer isn't based because, hey, I prayed the right prayer and I did the right thing this week. No, it's all about God. God will answer it in His timing. Again, you can be the most godly person and yet you can still suffer and yet things will still go bad in our lives. Again, look to Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Again, the words that um, God said to the Apostle Paul when he wanted something to be taken away, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For power, the end of that is, for power is perfected in weakness. That God was going to glorify himself through the suffering of the Apostle Paul. He glorified himself through the suffering of Jesus our Lord. Again, God's plan is perfect and he will complete it in us. And he will give you his grace to get through all that you're going through in life, through these struggles, through these trials, and through these tribulations. God promises to give you grace. It is our responsibility to trust him, to believe in, to follow him, and to bring him glory through the ups and downs of this life. And so let's leave this morning. Let's pray for our, those things that you want to pray for. Pray that God would deliver you. Be bold. Be honest. Spread it out before the Lord and say, help me, Lord. And then also pray that the Lord would give you the grace, if it is his will, to keep you there, or to not give you what you want. Those things will come to pass. God will either deliver us, or God will give us the grace to get through it, and we need to trust him. Let's all stand and pray together. And I just want to pray a little differently this morning. As I pray, I want each and every one of us, because there's things that we pray that I know that are on your mind that you're thinking, I want to pray for this. I want this to happen in my life. And I would ask this morning that you would be thinking of that as we pray. That that thing that you want, you would boldly go before the Lord and say, Lord, I want this. And I want it for your glory. And if he doesn't give it to you or to me, let's pray that he gives us the grace. Let's pray as a church together. Let me pray this for you. And again, you just think of that thing. Lord God, we thank you so much for your sovereignty and of who you are. You're the creator not only of us as individuals, but this entire world from the dawn of history until your return. You are sovereign over all things. And Lord, each and every one of us this morning maybe have something on our heart or our minds that we so want to happen or to be delivered from. And we just spread that out before you right now as Hezekiah did. We lay it before you, Lord, and ask for your answer on this prayer. Lord, that you would move mightily for your glory in this prayer. Lord, conform us to your image, and even as this thing that we're wanting, that we would see how it would glorify you. And if it doesn't, Lord, then take it away from us and give us a new desire for those who are suffering in any way, Lord, maybe through illness, sickness, 
financial responsibility, maybe even in relationships that they're struggling with, friends or co-workers or family members, Lord, I pray that you would deliver them. I pray that you would answer them. And most of all, Lord God, I pray for the grace to be given to them and to myself as we live in this world with all of its trials and struggles and tribulations. We lay it out before you, Lord, and ask that you would be glorified in this prayer and in this, uh, this thing that we want or this deliverance that we desire. And we pray this, Lord, for your glory. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.